Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, I've got a lot to share today, and um, I'm super excited about what um, we are talking about in this series. If you were not here last weekend, we started a brand new series called The Hunt, and Pastor Kendall did an incredible job introducing us to this, this topic of what does it look like for us to search for joy, and we're going to talk about that, and I know automatically... Um, You show up on a weekend and you're like, they're talking about joy and you don't want to get too joyful. You don't want to be too excited. I look out and a lot of y'all are like, like your faces, you're like, you look like your mother-in-law just called and said that she's going to spend the winter with y'all. You're not real excited about it. And when I, some of y'all are like Pat and your husband or your wife and you're like, sorry, um, Brought up a touchy topic, but you know what? All of us face things, and it's easy to kind of like, you know, when a pastor gets up and says we're going to talk about joy, you're like, great, you know, that's that's like an illusion. It's like uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about, but the real world and the real life is what I'm facing, and you know, the reason why we 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 titled this this series, The Hunt and Searching for Joy, is that that search, it's worth it. It's worth you searching for it in your life, even though right now at this moment, you may not feel like it's something that you'll ever find in your life. You know, isn't it true that there is a special thing that happens when you find something you've been searching for? Like how many of you lose things like chronically, you're always losing something? Raise your hand. I lose a lot of stuff. For example, a lot of y'all don't know this. I wear glasses. I can't see in the back. Those of you in the back, I can't even see who you are. So you're lucky. <laughs> you're like, great. Um, I wear glasses. I, I lose my glasses all the time. My wife's always having to come help me. And I'm like, babe, you need to help me. Look for my glasses. This is a crisis. I can't watch TV. And as a man, you know, you got to be able to watch some TV once in a while. You know, I'll lose my keys, my phone, everything gets lost. And this hasn't just started since I've gotten older. It is a part of getting older, but I've lost things and left things like since I can remember. I, like, for example, as a youth pastor, I had a reputation for leaving kids How many of you know it's a good day when you find a lost kid? Some of y'all, y'all purposely take your kids somewhere so you can lose them. But as a youth pastor, I left kids, like for example, one one time I took a group, I had like close to 100 kids I was responsible for, took them skiing, had all, like I'm trying to defend myself here. We had, I don't know how many vans, it was like a big old convoy. We left a kid on the mountain on Angel, at Angel Fire, New Mexico, for three hours. We didn't even know. We left him. It was already dark. 
And they decided to walk towards the cabin, and we were in Red River, which is 45 minutes away. It was not a good day. I wanted to quit the ministry. But one of the, one of the times that I'm most famous for was uh, the time I left a girl in San Antonio. And I, just to kind of set this up for you, you know, as a youth pastor, we went to every Thanksgiving, we took our youth group to youth convention. How many of y'all have been to like a youth convention, youth conference? Like it's, and I know some of y'all are going to judge me when I say this, but it's like church on steroids. Like you, you're, you're going to go to church in the morning, you're going to go to church after lunch in the afternoon, and then you're going to go to this long service at night. Don't judge me. But when you got all these kids, you got to have some rules. And one of my rules was we got to make, like, by the third day, we're getting on the road and we're heading home to Houston. And I, I told the kids every year, and the older kids knew about my rule was, you, like, if you need to go to the altar and get saved, if you need to go to the altar for prayer or any of those things, you better do it the first two days. I told y'all, don't judge me. <laughs> like, there's six services that you can go get saved, prayed for, cry, whatever you want to do. Go down to the altar and stay all night. I don't care. I want you to go down there. But the third day, when Jesus arose, <laughs> we're getting on the road, and we would, our, like, I'm telling you, I had my routine, like we had to make good time. All the men said amen. We would sit in the back that morning service while the pastor, the speaker evangelist, was praying the final prayer. We were slipping out to go get in the vans. And I, I still remember to this day, the, 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 I, like I've got PTSD like big time for this. We got into Seguin, heading to Houston, and somebody said, where's Amanda? And I started looking around. Amanda's got to be here. Everybody knows the rule. We were, like we all run to get in the van. Nobody goes to the altar the last service. What did Amanda do? She went to the altar that last service. I had to go all the way back to San Antonio and look for her. And I just want to thank God that there were no cell phones back then. Because we had to bribe the kid and tell her, please do not tell your parents. <laughs> but you know, there's a joy that comes on you when you find something that you have lost. Amen? That's what I want for you today. I, I want you to experience. Because see, I, I believe that God, God's desire for all of us in this place is that for us to live with a joy in our life. And I think a lot of us have lost it. And it's understandably uh, why we have lost it. It's because a lot of us don't really understand it. This is why we need to search for it. It's why we need to search in God's word and understand this. Because, see, oftentimes what happens is, is that, and again, we can all agree that joy is not a natural response to circumstances that happen in our life that we don't understand, that we don't like. And, and um, um, happiness, though, 
is what we're, most of us are looking for. We, we're, we're like, I just want to be happy. And we, that we, every once in a while, we'll stop and we'll like, you know, um, we'll say, I just want to be happy. I'm not happy. And like, for example, you're probably making the money that you're making right now. There was a time that you could only dream of the day that you would make the money you're making. But now that's not enough. And you're like, man, I need to make more money because I just want to be happy. There was a day that you said, if I could just get married, I would be so happy. Like, I can't wait to get married. And now you're married and you're like, I don't like this no more. I just want to be happy. And happiness, for you to be happy, things have to happen right. And listen, your life is going to be moments full of moments that aren't going to happen the way you want them to happen. And I know this sounds depressing, and I know some of you are, man, there's a lot of us here that are like kind of pushing back, and you're like shutting down because you're like, you know what, Pastor, this is a, like, I don't want to talk about joy. I didn't even want to sing today because I am going through some dark, dark stuff. I'm going through a lot, and listen, I'm not like, like devaluing what you're going through, but I want to just tell you that everybody in this place is going through something. If they're not going through something major right now, it's coming. It's going to happen. And so what happens is we're always looking for it. And I want to just tell you that we're looking for things to happen just right, to line out just right. And, and, and if you live that way, you will never find the true joy. See, joy is a, is a decision. It's a choice. And Pastor Kendall talked about this last weekend about that. It's an intentional focus. It's not, a, it's not a, a mood or a feeling. It's a decision. It's a courageous choice that you decide that you are going to live with joy in your life. See, there's two lists in your life. There's the list of life is hard. There's also a list that you have that, is God, that God is good. The God is good list. And you have to make the decision, which, which list are you going to put on your mirror and which list are you going to put in the drawer? Are you going to put the list, God is good, the God is good list on your mirror and put the, the list of life is hard list in your drawer? Or are you going to put the list that you see every single day that you get up in the morning, life is hard list, and that's all you look at and you ignore the fact that God is good? And the Apostle Paul, in the book that we are looking at in this series is Philippians. And if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning, you can do so. But in Philippians chapter 1, and over 19 different times, the Apostle Paul talks about joy and rejoicing. Now, I want you to understand when the Apostle Paul wrote this book, he was not at in Las Vegas at the Mirage Hotel or the Four Seasons Hotel of Rome. He was in prison. And yet he talks about joy. And the reason why this book is so powerful, these four chapters, it's a, it's a short book that you need to go read sometime, is that he gives us the key to discovering what the key to having true joy in our life. And he shows us it's not about having a perfect circumstance in your life. 
And I want to just begin with some of his writings, and we'll look at verse 3 as we search for the joy that we need in our life. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with what? Joy. So remember, Paul is in prison. And what he's doing here is that he is redirecting his thoughts towards something that brings him joy. This is very, very important. The Apostle Paul is in prison and he begins and he shows us, he reveals to us why he's able to have joy in his life. It's that he starts to redirect his thoughts towards something that brings him joy. Do you know that, like, if you're taking notes today, I hope you are. Number one, there's always a reason for, for joy in your life. There's always a reason for joy in your life. When we're talking about redirecting your thoughts and redirecting what is going on in your life from the circumstances that are happening, see, most of us are waiting for our circumstances to change before we have joy in our life. And what what the Apostle Paul shows us is that he's not waiting to get out of prison for him to get to receive the joy. He just starts to redirect it. So I want to just say this to you today. If you're a Christ follower and you're serving God and you understand that God has a plan for your life and deep inside of your soul, you know that there is a, a, a mighty, powerful God that you serve and when you lean into Scripture, you understand that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. There's always a reason for you to have joy in your life. See, I think some of you today might be in a prison. You're not in a physical prison. You're in a, an emotional prison, a prison that is robbing you of the freedom to enjoy your life. It's that prison that is telling you all the reasons why you can't have joy, and it's robbing you. It's an emotional trap that you're trapped in, in this despair that it makes you just kind of want to drag through life. And for you to experience the freedom, the path to joy in your life, you have to begin to lift your perspective out of your current circumstances. And what you see automatically is that the Apostle Paul starts to talk about what he is thankful for. And what is he thankful for? He's thankful for the people that he has in his life. When the Apostle Paul is, is talking here about what is going on in his life, he's not playing some sad country music. He's not talking about how terrible, if, if a lot of us would have written the the book of Philippians, it would have been just one gripe after another about what's going on in our life. What he says is that I thank God every time I remember you, he is redirecting his thoughts to something that brings joy. Do you know that people in your life, and I know some of you have walked through some of the hardest months or hardest year of your life, but do you know that, that if you look at the people that have been around you that God has put in your life, it, it's it's reason for joy. I think a lot of us, what happens is, is, is we're just taking people for granted. We're so focused on the circumstances that are going on around us, and yet what we don't realize is that the thing that is really important in our life are the people that we have. 
It's the people. It's your kids. It's your, your wife, your husband, the friends that God has put in your life. And the Apostle Paul says, I thank God. He, what is he doing? He's redirecting his thoughts from his circumstance of being in prison. And he's saying, what my focus is going to go on, it's that I am going to focus on the people that I have in my life. See, I think too many times we take people for granted. We take people for granted in our life, and this is why we we can't experience the joy in our life. I love the fact that he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. And this is crazy what he says here. He says, I always pray with joy. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments towards the end that I, I believe, and I know this is going to sound a little controversial when I say this to you today, I believe that a lot of us don't pray right, that we really don't understand what, what it's like to prayer because what, what's happening is, is our prayers are actually causing us to not have joy. Because if we just listen to ourselves talk, and talk to God about what's going on in our life, anybody would get depressed. And the Apostle Paul, there's a reason why he says, I always pray with joy. And I want to show you that, but let me just continue to kind of, we're going to kind of walk through some of these verses. In Philippians 1.6, he says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's confident of this. He's so confident of the fact that God never stops working towards something good in your life. God never stops working. God is working in the midst of your circumstances. See, I know for some of you, and, and look, it's not that we don't understand this. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of this, is that there's always going to be circumstances we don't understand. There's always going to be things that happen. And when I remind myself that God is working and he's not finished with me, you know, I, I love the fact that so many times, you know, in our lives, we look at, at a lot of the, isn't it true we look at a lot of things that have happened in our past, decisions we've made, things that we've done, addictions, whatever you want to call them. And we look at them as, as like, man, these are such horrible experiences and they're like a minus in our life. And, but do you know that God sees the minuses in our life as something that he can use to create a plus? And aren't you grateful today that, that you look back on all the, the different seasons of your life that were the minuses and God has taken your life and he has created a plus out of those things in your life? We see our problems as a sign of defeat, and we want to stop there as a, as a, as a barrier that, that we're like, you know what, those, those are like, man, I'm just kind of shutting down, and what we need to remind ourselves here and what the Apostle Paul is saying is that God's always working, and he's not through with what he's doing in your life. Look at chapter 4, if you want to jump over to chapter 4, verse 4. See, I just want to tell you that, that, again, 
these, these are some of the reasons why. And you can always find a reason why. And I know I use the example of people in your life to bring joy in your life. But haven't you heard people sometimes say, you know what, they're standing outside of their house that maybe it burnt down. And they're like, you know what, I'm so grateful that I have my family. I'm so grateful that I have the people in my life. And what if you were to redirect your thoughts and you were to begin to do what the Apostle Paul did and he starts to redirect his thoughts that every single day, several times a day, you turn your focus to the things that you're thankful for, the things that bring you joy, and the people in your life ought to be what automatically redirects. It's like it resets your brain, resets your thoughts to say, I have a reason to be joyful in my life because of the people that I have in my life. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. He doesn't say it once. He says it twice. He's like, did you hear me? I want to say it one more time. He's repeating it over and over. Why? Because he's wanting you to understand the power of rejoicing. What does rejoicing mean? See, rejoicing is when I verbalize, when I, when I sing about it, when I speak about it, when I, when I talk about it. It's something that I am that's coming out of me. When I rejoice, now I know it's hard to rejoice about when you're like going to a, a dark circumstance in your life, but the Apostle Paul, again, is showing us the power of what this does in our life because he is in prison. He, his circumstances are horrible, and he says rejoice, and he says it again. What is he teaching us here is that rejoicing, it's, it's your pushback against pressure in your life. It's what he's teaching you is when you begin to, to rejoice in your life when all the pressure is all around you and you start to look for reasons to rejoice. You know, a great example is this is a submarine. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the makers, the people that build submarines, they actually build it with the capability of withstanding pressure, great pressure in deep, deep waters. And the premise of a submarine is this, is to create a pressure within a submarine on the inside that pushes back against the external pressure. In other words, that all of this pressure would crush this submarine, but they create all of this pressure on the inside that gives it the ability to go into high-pressure environments. And rejoicing is what gives you the capability. And what am I talking about today? It, the reason that I'm talking about this is this is why the Apostle Paul teaches us this. The key to your, <clears throat> to your prayer, to the joy in your life, is that most of us stop when we're praying. We, we just talk about all of our problems instead of moving beyond. And I want to show you this. There's another scripture that I want to show you. That teaches us that we have to move beyond just talking about our problems. That, that part of you pushing back is that you say, God, these I'm presenting my request to you. But God, the way I'm pushing back is I'm going to re be reminded. I am going to rejoice in the fact that you're a faithful God. 
God, I'm not going to just pray about my problems. I'm going to start praying that you are a God that protects me. That you are a God that, that is a good God that loves me. That is part of you pushing back against the pressure. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Notice there's not a period there. There is a comma. And again, this is where a lot of us stop. We're just talking about how anxious we are or how worried we are, and it's why we don't ever receive the joy of God in our life. You know, if you only talked about how worried you are, you're always going to be worried, right? If you always talked about the blue elephant in the room and you just focused about the blue elephant in the room and you said, I, you know, I see a blue elephant, I, I see a blue elephant, or a yellow, you know, uh, a balloon, and you were just focused on that, you're only going to think about that. And this is what a lot of us do. We're only focused on what's wrong in our life. And this is what what Paul is teaching us. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and here it is, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, you start start praying out out of a grateful heart. God, I'm going through some of the darkest days, but God, I'm so grateful that you're with me. God, I'm so grateful. This is, this is why sometimes you've got to turn off Fox News or turn off whatever you're watching, and you got to get in God's Word. You need to know how God feels about you, what God says about you, because this is the key to really experiencing this joy is what the Apostle Paul does is that he learns to redirect what's going on in his life. See, I I know this, that I think that a lot of us as Christ followers are under great spiritual oppression. And the reason why there's this spiritual oppression going on in your life is that you somewhere have have decided that your circumstances are going to be what are, are going to define your attitude. That your circumstances that are going on in your life, it's what is going to dictate your happiness and the joy in your life. And that brings a spiritual oppression. The freedom that you need in your life is that you've got to start to redirect this in your life. And you begin to redirect from what's wrong in your life to thanking God for being with you. Spend some moments just rejoicing and praising God and talking to him about what you're grateful for. You know, I, I love the story of, I don't know if you've ever heard of the man, Victor Frankl, but um, Victor Frankl was a prisoner of war in, in a Nazi concentration camp. And he's one of the most prolific writers and communicators on the power of your mind and when you're going through some of the worst dynamics in life. And Victor Frankl wrote this, and I quote, he says, the last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in a given set of circumstances. The last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in a given set of circumstances. In other words, what happens is that you've got to begin to to guide your thoughts towards the thoughts of what God says about you. 
I don't know if you've thought about this lately, but like my wife said just a few moments ago during our worship time is that, that God loves you. And God cares about you. And I wish for anything I, as your pastor, could stand up here and tell you why you're going through what you're going through and just hold steady. You're not going to have any more problems. And I wish as a pastor, I, I could even tell you, you know, if you'll just give your life to Christ, man, today, tomorrow, for the rest of your life, you'll never have another problem in your life. I wish I could say that. I wish I could tell you why maybe you were diagnosed with cancer or why a family member died or passed away. I, I don't know those things. And there are a lot of things that, that we are not going to know until we get to heaven. And I have to make a decision. You have to make a de- decision. Are, are you going to live your life letting the circumstances that are uncontrollable, that are out of your control, that are happening, that life is happening all around us, uh, we live in a sinful world and a broken world, and you're going to let those dictate your true joy that, you know, tomorrow morning you wake up, you, you start to push back like the Apostle Paul, and you say, my pushback against the pressure I feel in my life is I am going to begin to rejoice in what God wants to do in my life. I'm going to rejoice in the people that I have in my life. Thank you, God, for my, my spouse. Thank you, God, for the kids that I have. Thank you, God, for the family, the the friends that I have. And this takes a conscious decision to live in this faith zone in your life. This is what it means to search for joy. It's not that the circumstances are going to be perfect. It's that you say, I refuse to let my circumstances define my joy in my life. My joy in my life, the contentment I feel, and listen to me, contentment doesn't mean you're satisfied. It doesn't mean that everything is great. It just means you're thankful. And it means that you're, you're actually, your contentment, the joy you feel in your life, it's, it's independent of the circumstances around you. And it's dependent on the Jesus that is inside of your life. And this is a discipline that you've got to make every day that you get up. And you, again, you've got to decide what list is going to go on your mirror and what list is going to go in the drawer. Are you going to put on your mirror the list that says God is good and you rejoice in the fact that God is good and the list that you've got all the problems and all the things that are going on in your life that you can write down a thousand different things and you've got to put that in the drawer and say, God, I give you those things. And you begin to focus this. Listen to, to, to what he says this in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious again about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Such a powerful word where he is again just reminding us about how we push back. In verse 12, Or verse 8, let me show you this real quickly. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, you got to retrain your mind. And again, things will happen in your life. Listen, I, I need a lot of prayer. And I'm being serious here. I need a lot of prayer. My wife, 
I've shared with you guys a while back, my wife decided she wants two cats. And she's gotten two cats, and it's been a mess at our house. Let me show you some pictures real quick. That's my screen door. It was perfect. My, her cats destroyed it. I almost said my cats. That's Willie and Coco. They're, they're all over the place. and I, They're tearing up stuff. Me and my Boston Terrier, PD, we need a lot of prayer. I, I'm, I'm kidding about that. It is a problem, but anyways, y'all pray for me. <clears throat> I'm just trying to make you laugh because I know these, these moments are kind of tense. Because I know that I'm speaking to a group of people today that it, this is a hard season for you. And you hear me talk about this and you're like, you know what, I don't know about this. And, and I would just tell you to listen to the verses that I just read in verse 8. It says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable... If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about those things. I love what he says in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And listen to verse 13, and you might think this is kind of like the Apostle Paul being a little cocky, but again, this is the key to his, his joy in his life. He says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Verse 19, he says, My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You can't have joy in your life. But it's not going to happen by you expecting your circumstances to go away. There's lots of stuff that's going to happen that's uncontrollable. This is a conscious decision that you make every day that you step in and you say, I will redirect my thoughts from just focusing on everything that's wrong. And I'm going to redirect it. And I'm going to find my joy in the fact that I have the people in my life that I have. I'm going to find my joy that God is not through with me yet. I'm going to find my joy today in the fact that I serve a big God. I'm going to find my joy in the fact that the Bible says that His grace is new every morning in my life. It's a decision. Joy is a choice. And you can have that by making that decision to say, God... I will rejoice in you. I want to pray for you today, and I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet. Every single day, I want to just remind you of this. Turn your focus to the things that bring you joy. Make that redirection. Turn it towards that. I want to pray for you today, and I also want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you know in your heart that you're not right with God, and the most important decision that is made today is that you accept Christ into your life. 
You know what's so powerful is the fact that you can right there at your seat, as you stand there, as you bow your head, in your own words, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. You can pray that prayer. Just, just say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I'm a sinner. Forgive me today of all of my sins. I want to ask you to bow your heads and I want to pray for you. And as we pray, this will be our dismissal prayer today. Father, today I thank you for the way that you love us and the way that you care for us. Lord, I thank you that we don't walk through things in life alone, but that you're with us and that you are surrounding us with your love. And Father, I pray that we would make the conscious decision every day to invite joy into our life by redirecting our thoughts, redirecting our prayers that God, I pray that our prayers would not just be about what's wrong, but God, our prayers would move to a thankfulness, God, a gratitude that, God, we would say, God, I thank you for all of these things that are right. God, I thank you for who you are in my life, God. God, I will rejoice in the fact of what you are doing, God. Father, I pray for those today that, God, are so broken. God, that have walked through this, these doors today and they are so heavy in their hearts. Father, may they be engulfed with your love. God, I thank you, Father, for your presence. I thank you, God, for the work that you do in our lives, Lord. Father, I thank you that, God, you are at work in our lives. And Father, as we dismiss this service today, God, I pray that God, you would go with us, God. Father, I pray, God, in your name that you would speak into our lives, God, in these moments of, God, today as we rest this evening, God, I pray that you would speak into our lives. You know, if you're here today and you need special prayer, our prayer team is going to be down here at the front. And as, as we dismiss this service, I pray that you don't rush out of here and you take a moment to receive prayer today. Father, thank you, God, for your faithfulness in our life. Go with us today as we dismiss the service. And everyone said, amen, amen. These altars are open if you need prayer today. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.